All right, everybody, we're back with another episode of the College Football 365 podcast. I don't even know the last time we talked to you guys, but we're back at it here, me and Marty, uh, breaking down some of the latest news in college football and uh, doing a little bit of a fun buy, sell, hold uh, type stock report with a couple uh, college football programs heading into the spring. Um, Marty, uh, that being said, uh, how are you doing? I mean, uh, I'm doing quite well on my end of things. I wish gas prices here in Pennsylvania weren't reaching 450, uh, seeing that I travel an, uh, an hour plus three days a week. But uh, how you been overall? Oh, not too bad. You know, I mean, it could always be worse. Gas prices in California are almost seven dollars. So that's true. You know, we, we could have, we could always have worse. We, that is true. We could always have worse. And uh, the one thing that would definitely help me uh, on that aspect is uh, if baseball can get their uh, uh, crap together here in the next couple of days or weeks and uh, get a new CBA so I can have baseball back in my life. But that's for another time. Uh, this is a college football podcast. And we do have some rather big news to discuss here, and which happened earlier this week in which uh, – Arizona State transfer quarterback Jaden Daniels announced that he is going to finish his college career at LSU. Um, I thought this was an interesting fit. I will be honest, uh, due to some life reasons, I haven't been able to fall as much into the news uh, and these transfer recruitments over the last few weeks. So I wasn't fully familiar with who was leading for Daniels and where he was possibly going. But I, I think LSU is an interesting fit for him because he's – Daniels has always been that guy that we've always thought could be regarded as one of the top quarterbacks in the country. He has a great arm, um, and he's just a tremendous athlete with the ball in his hand and can do a lot on the ground as well, a true dual-threat quarterback. But he hasn't put – he never put that all together at Arizona State in a – what has been a rather down Pac-12 conference. So – it makes me – I like the idea of going to LSU, but it makes me wary of him going into a much better conference than the SEC, uh, seeing the struggles he has had during his career so far. Yeah, that's a good point about his struggles. You know, he's been very up and down at, L, at Arizona State. Uh, I still remember his freshman year in 2019, there was a game, I think his first, second weekend in November, where he just tore apart Oregon. And he had that just beautiful dime, I think, in the last minute, minute and a half of the game to win it. They upset the Ducks, kept the Ducks out of the playoff. And I think everyone kind of thought that was going to be Jaden Daniels' coming out party. And it's yeah. been nothing but inconsistency since then. And I will say, if I was an LSU fan, I'd be very excited about this pickup. Uh, not only, like you said, Jaden Daniels has as much pure talent as just about any quarterback in the country. But if you're LSU, you've also got to remember that you still have Miles Brennan and board who originally entered the transfer portal then withdrew to remain with the Tigers. So if things don't pan out with Daniels, you still have a good quarterback option than Miles Brennan. And, you know, there's nothing ever wrong with healthy competition, especially the quarterback position. So having these two compete against each other throughout the summer heading into the season should only result in good things for Brian Kelly and the Tigers. Exactly. I, I do agree with that. And with his struggles, it, that is more so recency bias. I mean, in 2019, his freshman season at Arizona State, he was phenomenal. He completed 60% of his passes on over 300 attempts, 2,943 yards, 17 touchdowns, just two interceptions. Uh, 2020, in the COVID-shortened year, 49 for 84, five touchdowns, one interception. 
if I remember right, he did miss a few. He did miss a game or two uh, for Arizona State that season. Um, but this past season, he he struggled mightily with the Sun Devils, and uh, to be fair, that entire program struggled. Uh, but he he those struggles came more in the turnovers. Uh, he completed sixty five percent of his passes for two thousand three hundred eighty yards, ten touchdowns, and ten interceptions. He also added 710 yards and six touchdowns on the ground. Now, that is the thing I I did say. He is a true dual-threat quarterback, and that's going to definitely help him at LSU. When he does struggle at at throwing the ball, he's still a guy who's dynamic on the ground and can cause a lot of uh, damage for an opposing defense offensively. Um, So there is that benefit to his game that I think is going to help him at LSU. Um, But – it's just it's going to be an interesting fit. You look at what Brian Kelly ran uh, for most of his career at Notre Dame. It wasn't always an offense that was super friendly to uh, dual threat quarterbacks. He wasn't a guy who always had dual threat quarterbacks. I mean, off the top of my head, there's there's three guys I think you could call a true a true dual threat quarterback for Brian Kelly at Notre Dame, in um, Deshaun Kaiser, Brandon Wimbush. And Ian Book, um, and the success of his teams during those uh, respective eras was uh, mixed. I mean, uh, the Kaiser eras were good, but always left something to be desired. Uh, the Brandon Wimbush era was very short, and just you know didn't didn't result in many wins. Uh, I feel uh, maybe I'm forgetting. Um, but, um, and, and the Ian book era was probably the best of the three They They were uh, very good, but I mean, that was as much to do with their offensive line and defense during uh, those years as well. So, I mean, y- you look at Brian Kelly's track record with dual threat quarterbacks and it's, and it's a mixed one, uh, but, uh, I'm just interested to see how he fits this LSU offense going forward. Uh, especially now under Brian Kelly. And so it, it's intriguing. Uh, there's high potential here, but uh, it's it just overall intriguing. Yeah, it's definitely intriguing to add him to the mix. And, you know, the, the one of the big knocks, I feel like, on Brian Kelly's tenure when he was in Notre Dame was he just never was able to figure out the quarterback position. Um, honestly, that might be the only reason he never won a national championship in Notre Dame. Having gone to the playoffs twice in the BCS championship game once was never – getting the quarterback position figured out. Um, now, I will say, if I was an LSU fan, what might worry me most is having Mike Denbrock as my uh, offense coordinator. Um, you know, when he was Kelly's coordinator at Notre Dame, he was basically told by Notre Dame he had to fire Denbrock or he was going to be in the hot seat. And, you know, he fired him. He went to Cincinnati where he had okay results. So <clears throat> I would be a little worried about that. Just I think the offense coordinator still leaves a lot to be desired in Baton Rouge. But ultimately, he landed the quarterback with an immense amount of talent a quarterback who's more than capable of winning a lot of football games for you. And like we said, it should create a lot of healthy competition in the quarterback room, which is always a good thing. Yeah. And and Paul Feinbaum also brought up the question this week. I forget where, where he made it, but he was wondering if this is a quote unquote um, Joe Burrow moment for Brian Kelly and LSU and makes them a true contender. And I like Jaden Daniels a lot, but I just I don't see this 
move single-handedly make an LSU contender. I, I think there's still quite a bit they have to clean up from the last two years. And, I mean, he's a very good quarterback, but, I mean, he's going into an SEC that is already dominated by Alabama and Georgia. Georgia is losing a lot, but should not miss a beat. Alabama won't miss a beat, we know. And that's not to mention Texas A&M, who looks a lot stronger than they did last year and could be a, a true contender this year as well. So, I mean, I just don't know if this is a move that does put LSU over the top, per se, uh, into that championship uh, contender uh, spot, but it certainly gets them uh, closer to being there. Yeah, I think if nothing else, if you're LSU, this helps – put you in a position to avoid um, a just disaster season one for Brian Kelly. You know, you look at LSU, like you said, you got to deal with Bama. You've got to deal with Texas A&M. And that right there is going to be challenging for any team in the country, especially a team that is rebuilding a little bit like LSU is. They start the year playing Florida State, which, you know, probably not going to be an easy game. They have to go to Auburn. You have no idea what that's going to be like. They've got to go to Florida. They've got to go to Arkansas. So you, you're looking at a team that potentially could have been looking at, you know, a six and six, seven and five type season. And I feel like if you can get the quarterback situation figured out, which with between Miles Brennan and Jaden Daniels, you'd like to think they would, it, it wouldn't shock me to see LSU be able to get to say eight wins or so. And I think with what Brian Kelly is inheriting, which is a cupboard that's probably not as full as people think it is, if you can get eight wins in season one, that's definitely a success for LSU. Um fully agree. I, I see it as a move, I believe that uh, puts LSU into the 10 plus potentially 10 wins category and a New Year's Six uh, bowl game, perhaps. Um, and maybe if they could at, get another big addition through the transfer portal or um, here in the spring or summer, uh, then we could be talking about a contender. But for, for now, I think it puts them solely in, or securely, sorry, in that. New Year's six uh, range. Um, any other thoughts on Jane Daniels had to LSU? No, I don't think so. I think we, we covered it pretty well. Like I said, like we both said, it, it, it gives LSU a potential to, if nothing else, it definitely raises their potential ceiling for 2022. All right, then let's move on. Uh, a little bit of another small news piece here. Um, Kirk Herbstreit, our favorite college football analyst, of course, does the color commentary for ESPN uh, on uh, their Saturday night, Saturday night primetime games uh, with uh, Chris Fowler. Um, Marty, he is headed to Amazon uh, as their color analyst for Thursday night football this upcoming season as Amazon takes over the NFL's Thursday night football games. Uh, he's still going to remain with ESPN and do his college football work. But, uh, you know, as a big fan of Kirk, uh, I'm all for this to get Herb Street on uh, the NFL games. I mean, he's done some NFL games already. He's appeared on Monday Night Football a couple of times. And I've loved when he does. Uh, he's done so. And I, I think he does a tremendous job when doing so. And I'm looking forward to hearing him uh, now call, uh, call more NFL games. I, I just think he's one of the best color analysts in the uh in, in the game, uh, college or NFL, he doesn't interject too much into the game. Uh, he knows how to keep it nice and calm and steady. Um, I mean, I, I like the 
Tony Romo's of the world, but I, I, I would say, I think Kirk is the best color analyst in the game. And, uh, yeah, I, I just love that he's going to be calling more. Well, I don't know how many Thursday night football games I'll watch just because of Kirk, but it cer- certainly helps Amazon for for me at least that they're they're going to have him on the call. Yeah, I agree. I'm I'm with you. Everything you said. I think Kirk is the best in the business of what he does. Um, the more Kirk Herbstreit, the better with football coverage. The guy gets the sport. He knows it. He does a tremendous job in the booth. I I think that I'm with you. I think Kirk is the best color commentator in football right now, college or pro. And yeah, you know, I'm normally I'd watch every Thursday night NFL game. Now that I'm going to be subscribed to Amazon prime, I don't know how many I'll watch, but I will say them having Kirk on the call is going to make me more likely to be interested in subscribing to Amazon prime during football season in order to watch the games. Uh, 100% agree with you there. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll see how it goes. Uh, Football season obviously is quite a long ways away. I'm not jealous of his schedule now, however. I mean, you got to think about it. He's going to have to fly into wherever he's doing the NFL game on a Wednesday night and then call the game Thursday, fly out on Thursday night or Friday, maybe go home for a few hours before going to wherever uh, game day is on Saturday. And then if game day isn't at the same place as as the Saturday night game, he has to fly there. I mean, I am not going to be jealous of his scheduling in football season this year. No, absolutely not. Jealous of the job, not jealous of the schedule. All right. Well, our, our final little, not news topic, but I guess you could say our first discussion point uh, is Stuart Mandel of the athletic recently released his top 25 coaches. We're going to go through the top 10, just give our thoughts here. Um, so he, he started off with Nick Saban one uh, and Dabo Sweden at number two. Those two spots uh, are, those two coaches remain in the same spots they did last year. Uh, making the jump to number three was Georgia coach Kirby Smart, jumping from number six to number three. Brian Kelly coming in at number four, dropping one spot from last year. Uh, and number five, Ohio State's Ryan Day at the same spot he was a year ago. Uh, number six, USC's Lincoln Riley drops two spots uh, since last season. Number seven, we got Utah's Kyle Whittingham, who jumped. Uh, eight spots from 15 to 7. Uh, Cincinnati's Luke Fickle at 8, rising three spots from 11. Jimbo Fisher at 9, dropping two spots from 7. And then at number 10, an interesting one. Army's Jeff Monken, who uh, Stewart did have at number 13 last year, now at number 10. Um, but, I mean, that is that is a lofty, lofty spot for uh, Monken, say the least. I'm a big fan of Monken, but I'm not sure – that I would put him in front of guys like Kiffin, uh, Harbaugh, Gundy, uh, Stoops, um, even guys maybe like Cristobal, uh, Bill Clark, maybe Fleck, uh, Franklin. Uh, Monken's a little high for me. Uh, and I'll break down. I'll go through some of the other guys, but what's your general overall thoughts on this? Yeah, I agree with Jeff Monken. I think he's a tremendous coach. What he's done at Army has been – <clears throat> remarkable, but number 10, I mean, that's pretty, that's pretty high. <laughs> I don't, I, I don't even know if I'd put Jeff Munkin in my top 20, to be honest. And that's not a knock on Jeff Munkin at all. Cause the job he's done in army has been remarkable, but definitely not top 10. Um, you know, looking at the top 10, uh, Lincoln Riley to me is too low. I have felt for a few years now. It's Nick Saban, Dabo Sweeney, Lincoln Riley, and everyone else. 
Um, even though Kirby Smart has now won his national championship, I still would take Lincoln Riley's head coach over Kirby Smart every day of the week. Um, I think Ryan Day also. I wouldn't put Day behind Smart or Kelly. I would go Lincoln Riley and Ryan Day round up my top four, and then probably Kirby Smart five. Uh, Jimbo Fisher, another one I think you could argue might be a little too high, but the guy does have a national championship. He just signed the highest rated recruiting class ever. So I think those kind of things kind of keep him propped up. But yeah, you know, the, the, the monkey thing is the one that's a real mind blower to me because, you know, you, you look at Jim Harbaugh as a tremendous coach coming off a trip to the college football playoff. A guy like Mark Stoops, what he's done in Kentucky. Um, you know, guys, you mentioned Mike Gundy has been tremendous at Oklahoma State for a long time. James Franklin with a Big Ten championship and what, three 11 win seasons at Penn State. You'd think these are all guys that you would see <laughs> Jeff Munkin and closer to the top 10, but Hey, you know what? It is what it is. Good on Stuart Mandel for not being afraid to uh, not being afraid to make the list, what he feels it should be. Absolutely. And the way I look at it is uh, Nick Saban at number one. Sure. Um, I'm actually high on Kirby smart right now, probably because he's coming off the national championship. Um, and I would be willing to say when you consider him on the field and recruiting, I'd be willing to put him at even number two over Dabo. Uh, I'd have Dabo at three. I'd have Lincoln Riley at four. Um, five and six, I, I think, would be tough with Ryan Day and Brian Kelly. I think, I think they're similar. I think Ryan Day has a higher ceiling, but Brian Kelly is. Uh, I mean, while he's not always a fan favorite, is is a very damn good coach, and he, he's very good recruiter as well for the most part. Um, so I think I would kind of have those guys tied at uh, five. Uh, and then I, I think Winningham is fair. Fickle is fair. Um, Fisher is fair. I think you can make an argument for Fisher to be higher. I think you make an argument for him to be lower. But, yeah, the the one outlier here is really Monken because, I mean, the rest of those, those guys in the top ten, I, I think you can make an argument for them in uh, different spots in that top ten. Uh, but Monken, I mean, I just – I, I love I love him. I think he's a great coach, but just top ten is is tough for me. Maybe it's the triple option because uh, the triple option is the great equalizer. I mean, we saw Paul Johnson have some really good years with Georgia Tech when they were obviously running the Paul under the triple running the triple option under Paul Johnson. Um, but I, I just. I would have to see Monken do it at a bigger school than Army for me to put him in the top 10, I think. I just – the triple option is is so based on – not based, is so reliant on how good of a recruiting class you brought in in terms of fit, which, I mean, should be taken account for in terms of coaching. But, I mean, it's it just – it's tough for me to rank Monken at top 10 here. Um, definitely a top 20 coach, but top 10 is iffy for me. Uh, I would probably slide a Lane Kiffin or a Jim Harbaugh into that spot instead, maybe even a Mark Stoops. Um, yeah, so interesting there of uh, Mandel. Again, I don't think you can argue about most of them, but Jeff Munkin is certainly a choice to go at number 10. Uh, and that brings us into our second and last discussion point for this episode. Um, we're going to do some buy, sell, hold on a couple of programs going into 2022. Uh, I think I 
listed 10 or 12 programs here. So we'll just go over each, give our quick thought of what we'd uh, do if they were a stock head into this spring and fall. And I'd go from there, give a, a little blurb if you'd like on each. Uh, so first up, we got the Michigan Wolverines, obviously coming off a Big Ten championship and a college football playoff berth. Marty, I am firmly in the hold position here. Um, as a program, I think you you have to hold. Uh, I think there's there's a lot of promise there for them going forward that they could maintain this level of play. But I'm going to have to see it. Michigan has never been one of the has never been a consistent program really in the last twenty years or so, and especially under Jim Harbaugh. They're losing a lot this off. They lost a lot this offseason ahead of the next year. Um, I'm interested to see how they replace some of those pieces. I think for 2022, they're definitely going to be down from last season. But can they keep it to just one down season? Or is it going to be something that carries over into 2023 and beyond? So I am firmly right now on Michigan a hold. Yeah, this is one I go back and forth on, you know. I think I would be hold, but lean sell. Um, I just, after Harbaugh is, is how much he flirted with the NFL this past off season. I can tell you as a Minnesota Vikings fan, no matter what Harbaugh wants you to believe, he was never offered that job. And had he been offered that job, he was gone. He was head to the twin cities. So you've always got to worry about that. Now for Michigan, he went that contract extension. And even last year was a little bit of that perfect lightning in the bottle for Michigan because you look at Harbaugh, he's always struggled with Ohio State. And really ever since about 2016, 2017, he struggled a lot with Penn State too. We caught Penn State in a down year, and he caught Ohio State in a year where Ohio State's Achilles heel was stopping the run. Um, Everything was just kind of a perfect storm for Michigan last year. That team lost a lot. I think they take a big step backward as a team this year as a program. They're going to continue to be right there with Ohio State and Penn State's top program in the Big Ten. But, yeah, I would sell for the 2022 season. But as a program, like I said, I would say hold, but I would lean towards selling. Also important in the Michigan uh, offseason right now is that it's been reported that quarterback uh, J.J. McCarthy, former five-star, is out for the rest of the spring uh, after having uh, shoulder surgery. So, I mean, that's – that's going to play a big part into their uh, quarterback battle, most likely. Uh, he he's reportedly going to be ready for August, so he should be back for fall camp. But uh, that's going to give Cade McNamara a very good chance here to uh, solidify himself as the starter, or at least head into the first game of the season next year for Michigan. Yeah, and if nothing else, you want McCarthy out there taking the reps this spring, and you want him to be healthy because you know. Yeah, he might project and be healthy by August, but you never truly know what's going to happen. You put those pads on, you take a couple hits, and you start throwing the ball around again. Absolutely. All right, uh, next up, Penn State. Buy, sell, hold on the Nittany Lions. I'm going to go with also hold on the Nittany Lions. Uh, coming off a second straight down year, certainly, but uh, there's still a ton of promise there for them. They, have, uh, they brought in a great recurring class, have a – five-star quarterback or high four-star quarterback, depending on where you look in uh, uh, Drew Alar coming in, uh, not to mention uh, top running back. Nicholas Singleton is among other recruits in that class. That is one of the top five in the country or, or top 10, uh, depending on where you look. Um, 
So, I mean, a lot of promise there for the Nittany Lions, but they just have not been able to put it together under James Franklin the last few years. And uh, it's certainly been a downward trend, but I think there's just too much to like in terms of future value to put a sell mark on the Nittany Lions right now. Yeah, I think that's where I am too. You know, you look ahead to this season, and I would not be surprised to see a basically a carbon copy of last year, eight and four, seven and five. I think a lot of that just deals with some question marks for the offense line and the quarterback position. But like you said, they just brought in probably James Franklin's best class. Um, it was tied with his 2018 class with highest rated. But when you have a five star quarterback over no offense, Will Levis is your quarterback, that that carries some weight. And the 2023 recruiting class, Penn State's off to a great start. I mean, it's early, but they currently have the number one class in the Big Ten, top five in the country again. Probably not going to finish that high, but probably well on their way to another top ten class there. And I'm with you where, yes, there's always going to be questions about James Franklin, um, you know, with game day coaching. But like you said, the talent's there. There's too much talent stacked. They continue to stack recruiting classes. Give me a hold. And I think largely because of Drew Alar and because of, you know, what Franklin has done outside the last two seasons, I would be hold, but I would lean by with Penn State where as where I would lean sell with Michigan. All right. Next up, we got our ACC contingent. Uh, starting with the Clemson Tigers, where I am going to say, again, I think hold, because I think the Tigers will remain one of the top programs in America, but I just... I'm going to need to see where they go with quarterback at the quarterback position in 2022. Will they go with DJ? Will they go with Cade Klubinick? Uh, and what is the ceiling with either quarterback? Last year was not pretty. Uh, they started putting it together offensively towards the end of the season, but uh, I'm going to I'm going to need to see more out of them from a, for a full season aspect in 2022 before I can make any judgment really going for beyond 2022. I'm with Clemson. I'm put me in the buy camp. It's just Davos Sweeney's track record is what it is. I mean, last year Clemson was not good offensively at all. It was Dabo's sure. worst team, you know, since maybe when he took over as interim coach and they still won 10 games. Um, sure. Yeah. It's, there's too much talent on that team. Now I will say this year's a big test for Dabo Sweeney. Cause not only is he replacing his coordinators, including Brent Venables who's probably been the most second important person, to Clemson football next to Dabo Sweeney. Um, he also replaced both from within, which is always risky to do. So this will be a big year for Clemson and for Dabo, but with his track record, the talent they have, their track record with developing that talent, I got to go buy on the Tigers. And great point with the coordinators. That's another reason I am in the hold camp for Clemson and also with Michigan because they are the Wolverines also replacing both of their coordinators this offseason. Um that moves us to Miami, where I will have to say I am a firm buy on the uh, Hurricanes. Mario Cristobal, great hire by Miami. I do think Cristobal is a overrated head coach because I do think he has his uh, struggles on game day. But we've seen you can be a poor game day head coach, a la Kirby Smart, and still win a national championship. Um, I don't know if Miami is going to win a national championship, Mario Cristobal but I think they're going to be a very good program under him. Uh, Not to mention, I think they have one of the best quarterbacks in the country, maybe the best quarterback in the ACC in 2023 or 2022 
uh, in Tyler Van Dyke as well. I, I am buying the Hurricanes, and I'm buying the Hurricanes big. Yeah, I'm with you on the Hurricanes. Everything you said, I'm buying. I don't think Mario Cristobal is a good coach. I think he cost Oregon some very vital games. His coaching probably cost Oregon some playoff trips during his time in Eugene. That said, if he can surround himself with good coordinators and good coaches, which the early results in that front are positive, I think he will just clean up recruiting in South Florida. I think he will keep a ton of kids home. And I think when you combine how talented Miami's about to get with the division that they're in, you got to buy the Hurricanes because in the ACC Coastal Division, you don't have to be a world beater to win it. I mean, what was it? Just a few years ago, we saw seven different division champions in seven years. Um, You know, you've had Pitt win it twice out of the last five years or whatever it is. Wake Forest, or excuse me, Wake Forest Atlantic, but um, Virginia recently has won it. Like these are not, these are programs Miami should be head and shoulders above. And I think now that Mario Cristobal is back home in Miami, I think you're going to see Miami, at least talent wise, get to that point. At that point, it's up to Cristobal and his staff. But yeah, bye, bye, bye on the Hurricanes. Absolutely. And, uh, I actually had a point in my head about the Hurricanes, but, uh, you know, I, I forgot it. So if I remember it, I'll come back to it. But uh, we'll move on to LSU here, um, where I'm also going to be buying uh, the Tigers. Um, I think Brian Kelly has done a great job here in his first few months as head coach of the Tigers. Very strong in the recruiting trail. has done a great job with the transfer portal as well, as we've obviously seen with Jaden Daniels. Uh, which will help 2022. And I think that their outlook for 2023 and beyond is, is very strong despite it being in the SEC where you, you're going to have Georgia, Alabama, and now it looks like um, A&M as well. Uh, so I'm buying uh, LSU uh, here, and I, and like the Hurricanes, I think I'm going to buy a lot of LSU stock. I'm, I'm actually the complete opposite on LSU. I think I'm going to sell on LSU – and it's not even necessarily anything LSU has done wrong. It's just, you know, I, I think Brian Kelly's a good coach. I worry about the culture fit. And Brian Kelly's 60 years old, which you, you look at Alabama, Nick Saban doesn't show any signs of slowing down yet. And even if he does retire in the next two to three years, whoever takes over, who I still believe will be Dabo Sweeney, but whoever it is, is going to inherit a gold mine. They're not going to slow down. Jimbo Fisher has A&M humming. Auburn's always going to be there. You get Florida as your crossover protected game every year. I just think that's a tall task for LSU. And I know it sounds weird because LSU's won three national championships since the turn of the century. But if you look at LSU, their traditional track record is that eight to nine win team that just kind of him hauls around. And every so often they get lucky where they have a generational talent, a quarterback, and maybe the most talented offense ever. Or you have a complete chaos season where you're able to win it all with two losses, or you have the greatest head coach ever and you split a national championship with USC. Like it's, I think the overall, just what LSU is a program, I feel like really has been somewhat muddled by the success they've had since the turn of the century. And obviously you can't take that success away. They've won three national championships in 18 years or whatever it is. But I just, I don't, a big part of it, I don't like the culture fit of Brian Kelly and the fact that I don't think Alabama or AM are going to go anywhere anytime soon. And like I said, Florida's that crossover. That's why I'm going to sell on the Tigers. 
I, I think that's I think that's fair. I think that's a fair argument of why to sell on the Tigers. Uh, and I'm actually about to go on the first team to which I'm selling, and that's the Auburn Tigers. Uh, Auburn, I'm selling just because I thought the first year the Brian Harson era was a disaster. This offseason was a disaster. Um, and I just don't see them getting any better right now under Harson, especially the way he's the la- the lack of success on their current trail. Um, and I mean, they, they got rid of Bowden, got rid of quote unquote Bo Nix. Uh, but they brought in Zach Calzada, who I think is just maybe even a worse version of Bo Nix. I mean, I just I'm selling on the on the uh, on Auburn here. Uh, I just I, I can't buy into this Harson era. Oh, I couldn't. I, I I wouldn't be able to sell Auburn stock fast enough. Um, I'm with you. Brian Harson should have been fired. Um, and not even necessarily because anything he's done wrong again, just not a fit at Auburn. It's not going to work out at Auburn. I think this season could get real ugly for the Tigers. I mean, does anyone really believe Brian Harson is still going to be the head coach of Auburn by Halloween? Maybe, maybe not even that late. Yeah. yeah. Sell, sell, sell the Auburn Tigers stock. And it doesn't help yeah. that you have to play, you know, Alabama and Texas A&M and LSU and Ole Miss and just, yeah, sell, sell it all. Yeah, after having this disaster of an off season and almost getting fired, if they start off slow next season, he's he's gone by Halloween. Um, but let's move on to Texas A&M, where I'm buying Aggie stock and I'm buying a lot of it, uh, especially heading into 2022. I'm not sure they're a title contender in 2022, but I think 2022 can set them up to be a con- Tender, uh, a true title contender in 2023 and beyond. Jimbo uh, coming off his best recruiting class uh, ever, obviously, because I think it's the best recruiting class of all time. Um, and yeah, the, the Aggies have stepped it up here, it seems, and are ready to play with the big boys uh, of the in the in of the country, especially in the SEC uh, with Georgia and Alabama. So uh, give, me, give me A&M stock and give me a lot of it. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm buying all the Texas A&M stock in the world right now. Um, you know, circle back to the coach talk. Yes, Jimbo Fisher's star is not as bright as it once was, but I still think Jimbo Fisher is a tremendous coach. The guy won a national championship. It's just it not. It's not like it was that long ago that he won the national championship. He's always been a great recruiter. Like we said, just signed the greatest recruiting class in history, college football, by the A&M stock, and I do think. You know, a-, a and M is putting themselves in a position where, and you know, this is another reason I sold LSU stock when Oklahoma and Texas joined the SEC. Especially now with Lincoln Riley out of the picture in Oklahoma, I do think you could see a And M positioned to be that program that's a plan. If anyone's going to supplant Alabama when Nick Saban retires as that top program in the SEC West, at least it's a And M. So yeah, get buy all the Texas a And M stock you can. All right, that takes us to uh, Notre Dame, uh, where I'm going to hold Notre Dame stock just because I think this era of Notre Dame football is either going to be a complete success or a complete failure. I'm not sure which. I want it to be success, but I I just, with a first-time head coach taking over a big-time program like 
Notre Dame, I always have my concerns. Um, because that is a big jump to go from defensive coordinator to head coach uh, at a school like Notre Dame. So I'm going to hold. I, I, I want it to be a success, but I, I'm going to hold for now. I am going to hold also. But for me, it's more I'm holding. I think Marcus Freeman is recruiting-wise going to be an upgrade over Brian Kelly as a coach. Can't really say because I mean Brian Kelly was just so good at Notre Dame, but the main reason I'm going to say hold is it's if, if you look back to the 2020 or the 2017 season, excuse me, dating back to 2017, Notre Dame's won 10 games, 12 games, 11 games, 10 games, 11 games, with two trips to the college football playoff. That's pretty close to what your ceiling is as Notre Dame, especially yeah. in the conference. You know, yeah. and that's why I think hold just because I don't think the Irish can really go up from here. They are easily, I mean, I would argue that they back 2017, they're, they're a top five program in the country, arguably top four. You know, it's the ceiling. You can't go much higher than what Notre Dame's done. I'm extremely high on Marcus Freeman. I think he can keep this train rolling the way Kelly has. But when you've already hit your ceiling, essentially, and you know, and then I don't mean that negative way. They made the playoff again. Yeah, they made yeah. the playoff through the last four yeah, years. Absolutely. Like, any program not named Alabama, Clemson, or Georgia would kill to have that success. Absolutely. So that's why I'm bold on the Irish, just because I, I don't, you, I don't think they can go up much higher. I think you made a great point there. I mean, th- and it, that that is damn damn true. I mean, it's Notre Dame has been one of the best programs in college, one of the top five programs in college football over the last five years. And that's a testament to Brian Kelly, and that's why I'm also buying LSU stock. Um, but but it's hard to top that. I mean, the only way the Marcus Freeman era of LSU football could be better is if they win a national championship or are making the playoffs every single year. And I just don't know if that's if that's possible. I think no, I, I, I just don't know if that's possible. possible. Yeah. yeah, no, totally agree. I don't think it's possible, but I think he can keep doing what they've been doing. So, yep. All right, so we're both holding Notre Dame. We go to the Pac-12, uh, where I have uh, Oregon as a sell. Uh, I'm a I'm a fan of Dan Lanning. I think he's a bright young mind, but I just with uh, USC, which we're about to talk to, uh, hiring uh, Lincoln Riley and the success they're having in the transfer portal and so on and so forth. I just I feel like it's going to be hard for Dan Lanning to make that adjustment to the Pac-12, especially recruiting-wise, where he'll have to go into Southern California and grab some four- or five-star talent away from one of the best recruiters in the game in his backyard. I just That's going to be highly tough to do, and uh, I think it's going to be a little bit of an adjustment period for Oregon and uh, Landon in that aspect. I think on the field they could have a very successful 2022, but in terms of 2023 and beyond, when those recruiting classes start coming in uh, and – seeing impacts on the field I, I just i have my uh concerns and doubts so with that i'm selling uh selling the ducks yeah i'm selling the ducks also and the main reason i'm selling the ducks is because of the is because of lincoln riley um and also you know you look at oregon the last few years was their opportunity usc's been a hot mess and oregon really couldn't capitalize to the way they feel like they should have i feel like they should have made at least one playoff berth there's a lot of recruiting wins they've won in California in recent years. 
they're not going to win now that Lincoln Riley is at USC. Um, you know, as Bud Elliott of uh, the Cover 3 podcast always says, USC is the right of first refusal to any kid west of the Rocky Mountains. And during the Clay Helton era, uh, USC flubbed around and lost a lot of those kids, and Oregon reaped the benefits. USC's not going to lose those kids with Lincoln Riley at the helm. We're already seeing them not lose those kids, and that's a big reason why I'm going to sell in the docks. And, I mean, I still think Oregon can be the second-best program in the Pac-12. I still think Oregon can be a perennial 9-10 to win team. But I can't – assuming USC gets back to being USC, I can't see Oregon being that top team in the Pac-12 anymore. I think they take at least a, half a step to a step back as a program, and I'm gonna, that's why I'm selling on the docks. Great points made by you, as always. Uh, and that takes us to our next team, uh, USC. And uh, this one's simple. I'm buying the Trojans, and all I'm going to say is Lincoln Riley. Yeah. Bye, bye, bye. You have a traditional power, blue blood, no matter what you want to call it. You have USC who there's no reason why USC should not be a top five program, a top five team year in and year out. They now have what, in my opinion, is a top three coach in the country, a guy who I think has the potential to go down as one of the best offensive-minded coaches in the history of college football, one of the best yep. recruiters in the history of college football, one of the best quarterback developers in the history of college football. You put him in charge of a program like USC – and I mean, I'm not necessarily going to say they get to the Pete Carroll days because that was just remarkable what they did. And they nearly pulled off three straight national championships. But I think they'll run the Pac-12 the way they ran in the Pete Carroll days with Lincoln Riley at the helm. So, yeah, USC to me is there might not be any program in the country I'd be looking to buy more stock in right now than USC. All right. Uh, and that takes us up to our final two. Um First up, Oklahoma. I'm going to hold on the Sooners. I like Brent Venables. I think it's a good hire. I just need to see what they're able to do under Venables on the field. Um, I think he won't miss a ton of beats when it comes to recruiting, but I just need to see the on the field coaching uh, and how he is as a game day coach before I make any uh, buy or sell judgment on the Sooners. I understand what you're saying. I don't totally disagree with it, but I think if I had to choose, I might sell in Oklahoma largely because of that move that's coming to the SEC. Um, sure. I also I also truly believe that was a contributing factor in Lincoln Riley leaving for USC. Not that he's afraid of the competition or anything of the sort, but he knew he could run the Pac-12 with USC the way he ran the Big 12 with Oklahoma. Um, I think once Oklahoma goes to the SEC, that changes everything for that program. And I'm with you. I think Venables has the potential to be a really good coach. We got to see it. And, you know, until we see it and you factor in the fact that they are moving to the SEC and just lost one of the best coaches in the country, one of the best quarterbacks in the country, it's tough for me not to sell on that program right now. Yeah, great points. Uh, as, as always, um, yeah, the USC – sorry, the, the SEC move obviously – uh, is in the back of my head as well. And I almost went sell on them because of that. Uh, well, I, I'm still going to be in the wait and see mode or the hold mode. mode. Uh, and you're right. That was a reason that Lincoln Riley left for USC. I think it was reported that he was not a fan of that move. Uh, he, he didn't want to join the SEC. And it definitely played a factor in him leaving, um, leaving Oklahoma for USC. 
And finally, we got Cincinnati here with the Bearcats, our team that's going to make a move to another conference here in the future as they move to the Big 12 in the future. Um, and I'm going to steal your thunder here. Before we got on, you said uh, for Cincinnati, if it was for 2022, you would say sell because there's no way that that they're probably going to be able to follow up what they did last year again this year. And the only way you could really get better from last year is if you make the national championship game. And I don't think that's going to happen. Uh, but long-term, I think you have to buy the Bearcats. Are they going to be a playoff contender every year? Probably not. But can't they be be a consistent top 15, top 10 team in the country every year? I think so, especially as, as long as Luke Fickle is there. So give me, uh, let me buy Bearcat stock. I'm not going to buy a ton of it, but I'm going to slowly buy more over time uh, in hopes of when they join the uh, Big 12 that um, they can they can become one of those uh, regular CFP contenders. Yeah, I'm with it, you. It. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you on buying on the Bearcats. Um, you know, when they get to the Big 12, the, the first step to me buying on the Bearcats was them locking up Luke Fickle. And the second step is when they join the Big 12, with what's going to be left of that Big 12, if the Big 12 is still going to be recognized as a Power 5 conference, um, Cincinnati could be sitting in a golden position. You know, Fickle has raised both the floor and that ceiling of that program so far. He continues to recruit better and better. When they get to the Big 12, we're going to see the recruiting take a jump. And this is we, – we saw it with TC when they went to the Big 12. We saw it with Utah when they went to the Pac-12. Your recruiting will make a big jump when you do that because, you know, as weird as it may sound, because Cincinnati is a better team than maybe everybody in the Big 12, Sands, Oklahoma, and Oklahoma State this past season, kids still want to be able to play in a Power 5 conference. It's going to make a huge difference for them. I wouldn't be surprised if when the dust settles, we see the Big 12, you know, potentially come down to two of the newcomers in Cincinnati and Houston as to who runs that conference with maybe Oklahoma state in the mix. It's just, I think Cincinnati might take some lumps the next year or two to get there because they're going to just naturally take a step back after how successful they've been the last two years. But overall buy on the Bearcats. That is a program that I think is trending upward in a big way. and has the potential to be a program that is arguably the best program in a power five conference in the not so distant future. And, and with that, I mean, that's all I think all we got here for today's episode, Marty. Any other thoughts you want to talk about uh, here today? Uh, anything that we may have missed that you've seen? Uh, I don't think so. I think we covered it all pretty well. And, you know, it'll be nice to, before too much longer, spring ball will be starting. We'll actually have a little bit of on-field football to talk about. Yeah, spring. I mean, some programs already started spring ball. Uh, we'll have, uh, I think, our first spring games within uh, – uh, the next two weeks, uh, cause some schools start in February for spring practices. So, uh, so yes, yeah, spring games are right around the corner. Um, I have YouTube TV, so everything that's, everything that's televised, I will record. I will, um, uh, be a nerd and quickly, uh, watch to see if everything interesting, uh, to know what happens. And, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I'm looking forward to getting some, uh, action back on the field and hopefully after spring practices we can start getting more into the recruiting side of things again because uh, i always know that's a pop popular for our listeners and uh, it's a lot of fun for us as well 
Absolutely. Always good to always a uh, good chatter to have in the spring. And I also do know we will have a special guest on sooner later um, to discuss uh, this, the program is making the jump from the FCS to the FBS for next season. But beyond that, I think that's all we have for today. So thank you everybody for listening to today's uh, CFB 365 episode. My name is still Cameron Crowley. He's Marty Lee. Don't forget to subscribe to us on whatever platform you uh, choose to listen to us on and follow us on Twitter at college FB underscore 365 as well. And uh, yeah, make sure to leave a rate and review uh, if you can on your selective platform. And uh, yeah, thanks again. And we'll talk to you guys next week. Uh, uh, not sure what we're going to talk about. We'll talk about the news, of course, but uh, we'll bring you guys something fun to talk about for next week. So until then, have a good one, everybody. Stay safe. And uh, yeah, talk to you soon.